The thing about comparing rates at Progressive.com is that by now you've heard a lot of ads about comparing rates at Progressive.com. We probably don't even need the words comparing rates anymore to remind you that seasoning steaks at Progressive.com is an easy way to save on car insurance. Or that swimming in trousers helps you find the lowest rate. And that's the thing about foraging for truffles. You've heard a lot of ads about standing tiptoe on a cinder block. Compare rates and <clears throat> sing softly to a wounded field mouse and save at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. Live from our nation's capital, it's Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Welcome to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. I'm Brad Bannon. I'm a Democratic strategist, a columnist for The Hill in Washington, DC, and a political commentator for news radio stations KNX in Los Angeles and WGN in Chicago. My company, Bannon Communications Research, polls for progressive issue groups, labor unions, and Democrats. BannonCR.com is the sponsor of today's show. If you want to learn about more about me and my political polling company, or if you have any ideas or suggestions for Deadline DC, the best way to reach me is on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Brad Bannon, all one word. Our guest in the first half hour today is Dr. Robert Shapiro, uh, an economist who's here to discuss the state of the economy that Joe Biden will inherit in nine days and tell us a little bit about the Biden economic team. In our second half hour, we will, as usual, have our provocative progressive political panel. Our guests on the panel today are Kimberly Scott, uh, the publisher of Demlist, and progressive political activist Mark Grimaldi. Our first guest today is Dr. Robert Shapiro, who is chairman of Shanacom, an economic advisory firm, and he's a senior fellow at the McDonough School of Business at Georgetown University. He's also an internationally renowned uh, economist who joins us today uh, to discuss the state of the economy. Dr. Shapiro, welcome to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine, Brad. Uh, let's start with this. Uh, let's talk about uh, if you could give our audience an indication of the kind of uh, the status of the economy that Joe Biden is going to inherit nine days. Uh, last week, last Friday, we had some, I thought, disturbing economic news uh, where jobless claims had risen for the first time since April. What's your take on the economy? Well, you know, they did rise for the first time since April, but since April until the most recent report, they, the gains had been slowly declining. So this is not entirely a surprise. Look, the economy is in part hostage to the pandemic. Uh, and the pandemic worsened um, in the fall, and we're now seeing the result of that. That is the worsening caused more 
shutdowns and that caused more joblessness. Um, uh, beyond that, um, uh, consumer confidence, people, people don't have confidence in the near term of the economy, neither businesses nor consumers. Uh, and that means that their purchases and their investments are dampened. Finally, beyond these, what we would call cyclical factors, that is, this, but in this case, it's the cycle of the, the pandemic, um, the economy has been structurally weakened by the pandemic, which is to say we've lost tens of thousands of businesses. And when, as, as the pandemic improves and more of the economy can reopen in uh, a reasonable way, whether that's in three months or six months or nine months, uh, there are going to be fewer businesses there. And so the economy is structurally weakened. Um, on top of that, we have a new factor, which is not shown up yet in any of the data. Um, and that is the impact of the insurrection on confidence, both at home and abroad. Uh, the fact is the United States has been a magnet for foreign investment um, for decades. And the reason is that the United States has been seen as the most stable political and economic order in the world. Uh, we are losing that status. That's also underpins the value of the dollar. Everyone wants to hold dollars because they believe that investments in the United States are secure and that the rule of law, which reaches a course to contracts, which is central to business, uh, that the rule of law pervades. Um, and it no longer does. Uh, and we have to expect there to be consequences for the dollar and for foreign direct investment, all of which will put additional constraints on our ability to recover when, as the pandemic recedes. I'm curious, uh, uh, corporate America, some at least elements of corporate America have responded to last week's uh, failed coup attempt. Uh, we heard in the news feed that uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield uh, and other companies have said they're not going to donate, uh, make cam campaign contributions uh, to uh, senators who challenged and representatives of politicians in general who challenged Joe Biden's uh, electoral college victory. Uh, has the uh, wave of disgust with the events of last week, uh, have they registered in corporate America? This is not just a liberal uh, interest group thing, is it? No, um, and let's, let's call it out for what it is. Um, this is not simply because they supported the challenges to the electoral votes that have been certified by every state and by many courts. It's because they perpetuated the, a big lie, which has been used 
to mobilize extremists to attack the government of the United States. They are guilty of the big lie. And it seems to me that that's why we have a kind of emerging um, policy of ostracism uh, uh, emerging right now for from some sectors, for uh, politicians who have um, promoted the big lie. Um, and it is the big lie which is the driving force behind the insurrection. Um, and the increasing, and on social media, the ostracism of Donald Trump for being the perpetrator of the big lie. Um, how that develops, will that will depend in part on how the Republican Party responds. Are they willing, in effect, to repent in order to be forgiven? Repentance <laughs> has to precede forgiveness. Uh, will they stop uh, portraying themselves as victims uh, when, in fact, they've been the perpetrators? Um, and, of course, what's the next stage of the insurrection? Um, anyone who believes that this is over um, uh, is not really familiar with the history of these kinds of insurrectionary movements. Uh, and we have to expect uh, more incidents. Um, they may shift from Washington as more and more, as we militarize the geography of the federal government by placing troops around the Congress and around the White House, uh, which appears to be the direction we're headed, um, it may shift to states. All of this is very negative for the economy. Okay. Okay. Uh, our guest in this half hour is Dr. Robert Shapiro, uh, an internationally known economist who's uh, briefing us on the sta state of the economy, uh, which Joe Biden will inherit. Uh, we're also going to talk after the break uh, about uh, the actions that Joe Biden may take to reinvigorate the economy. Uh, I just uh, we're going to go to break in a few seconds, but I want to uh, tell you that if you're listening to us, uh, we're going to go to break for a few minutes. Uh, for our radio listeners, you can now watch us and see what we talk about during the commercial breaks uh, by going to one of these uh, uh, links. Uh, you can watch the show on periscope.tv front slash Brad Bannon. You can watch the show on Facebook Live uh, at tinyurl.com forward slash BB Facebook Live. And now for the first time, you can also watch us on YouTube. And the YouTube address is tinyurl.com front slash Brad Bannon YouTube. So if you're, one, if you're listening on the radio and you're wondering what we talk about on the break, so you can now see us. We'll be back after these messages with more with Dr. Robert Shapiro. 
Okay, welcome back to our radio listeners. In this half hour, our guest is Dr. Robert Shapiro, an internationally known economist uh, who, as he just mentioned, uh, it was Undersecretary of Commerce during Bill Clinton's uh, presidency. He's here to talk about the economy, uh, Joe Biden's plans for the economy. Uh, Dr. Shapiro, I read last week that, uh, and I very interested in your comments about this, that Joe Biden uh, sees uh, the economy as a two-stage action. Uh, I get the impression in the early part of uh, his, in the early days of his presidency, he's going to focus on a uh, uh, efforts to uh, fight the pandemic, which, as you said in the first segment, is a big part of revitalizing the economy. Uh, he also plans on a relief package, uh, which includes uh, an added stimulus payment to the $600 that's already been uh, approved by Congress, and also aid to uh, state and local governments. Uh, and then later on in the spring, uh, introduce a more comprehensive economic uh, package to bring back the nation. Uh, how does that sound to you? Well, I think it's the kind of stimulus the economy needs right now. Whether or not uh, President Biden will be able to get it through the Senate, we'll have to see. We probably can package the COVID relief uh, as part of reconciliation, which is a procedure in the Senate in which, which cannot be filibustered, where you only need... Um, uh, 50 votes plus the vice presidents. Uh, I think we would get um, support from some Republicans, but not enough probably to overcome a filibuster if this were not packaged in reconciliation. Uh, if I were him, I would also package the infrastructure package in reconciliation. Uh, the rec it's a infrastructure has what economists call a high multiplier. That means for each dollar that you spend on it, the economy grows by a lot more than a dollar, probably by between two and three dollars because you generate jobs and those people spend the spend their earnings and that generates more jobs uh, and because it generates uh, business sales and consequently business investment. Uh, so so I think that's if I were advising him, and I don't advise him, though I do talk to people around him, um, uh, I, would, uh, I would urge him to include the infrastructure package in with COVID as part of reconciliation uh, in order to um, be sure we get it through Congress. Uh, now, uh, I think we're probably going to hear a lot about this reconciliation uh, in the uh, coming weeks. Uh, now, let me ask you about that, because I think it's going to come up a lot. It can all, reconciliation, basically, the advantage is they can pass it with 51 votes and not have to worry about a, fi uh, a filibuster. It has to be budgetary or monetary related, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. It has to involve spending. Okay. And can only be used once, or is that not true? No. You, well, you can um, do it once in each session. Okay. 
Okay. Um, and so he gets another shot at it next year. Uh, okay. And there is also the question of, I think this will probably be something addressed in the second reconciliation, next year, the following year's reconciliation package, and that is taxes, uh, tax reforms. Um, let's not forget that the Trump tax cuts were passed as part of reconciliation, uh, or we wouldn't have gotten them. Um, and uh, the uh, Biden tax reforms will almost certainly require the same. Okay. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about uh, President-elect Biden and a uh, infrastructure plan uh, to uh, uh, to jumpstart the economy. I always thought one of the advantages of electing Joe Biden, and correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, when uh, the Obama administration uh, adopted a uh, uh, a stimulus package early in the Obama administration to respond to the Wall Street crisis. Uh, Joe Biden was uh, the president's point person for running this program, wasn't he? And I always thought that that would be a great advantage in the present circumstances. Yes. Well, certainly, certainly his relationships with members of Congress. Um, but the fact is, the Republican Party right now is very badly split and it will depend their willingness to cooperate uh, will depend on how they navigate the split within the party uh, this is particularly true for the senate you know in the house we have a majority and you can't filibuster in the house um, so what we need will pass the House. Uh, but in the Senate, um, uh, I don't believe that uh, abolishing the filibuster would succeed today. Um, and I think we should abolish it myself, but uh, I don't think that you could get 50 votes to do so. No, I think Joe Manchin of uh, West Virginia has already said he would vote against uh, abolishing the filibuster. And I don't think he'd be the only one in the end. Um, I think there'd be several others. Um, so, so we can't do that. And that means it depends on um, how Mitch McConnell, what, how, what he believes, what steps he believes will make it most likely for the Republicans to be successful in the 2022 um, uh, midterm elections for the Senate. But let me tell you, you know, um, I, had the, uh, I had the opportunity to watch President Clinton operate very, at very close range. And President Clinton was a brilliant strategist, is a brilliant strategist, who could figure out, well, if I take step one, that will force Newt Gingrich, who was his nemesis then, to take step two. Then I take step three. He takes step four, and then I've got him. He's got to come and compromise and give me what I want. Um, we have to think that way with respect to, uh, we have to find people who can think that way uh, with respect to Mitch McConnell.
Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what they say about good NFL coaches. They're not thinking about the play they're watching. Uh, they're, th- they're thinking about the play that's going to, you know, the two two and three plays down the line. Right. Dr. Shapiro, I want to thank you very much for joining us today on Deadline DC. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on to talk about the economy. And I'm sure we'll be speaking to you again early in the stages of uh, Joe Biden's presidency. But thanks for uh, joining us today. Anytime, Brad. We'll be back more with more of Deadline DC with Brad Bannon and a provocative progressive political panel to discuss last week's uh, Capitol coup and also the new uh, uh, impeachment initiative against the president. We'll be back right after these messages. If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Welcome back to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Uh, This is the second half hour of the show, and as usual, we will have our provocative progressive political panel. Say that five times fast. Uh, But before that, uh, my comments on last week's events. The possibilities and problems facing Joe Biden stood out in sharp relief in a brief 24-hour period last week. First, there was a dramatic display of democracy in action in Georgia that gave hope that America could finally move forward after four years of regression under Donald Trump uh, and soon-to-be former Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. That hope was quickly dashed by the Capitol coup that was a clear demonstration of the obstacles facing the president-elect. The doubleheader Democratic victory last Tuesday in Georgia was as sweet as a Georgia peach. The right-wing terrorist assault on the Capitol the next day was sour as a lemon dipped in vinegar. You can read the rest of this column and my take on presidential politics in the Hill every week. You can uh, see it by Googling muckrack, M-U-C-K-R-A-C-K dot com front slash Brad dash Bannon. Now to the provocative progressive political panel. Our guest panelist today uh, is Kimberly Scott, uh, the publisher of Demlist and the editor of Dem Daily. Dem Daily is a daily political column dedicated to educating and informing the public about the Democratic Party policy and politics. Sign up for the column uh, is at www dot demlist.com. The Twitter handle is The Demlist. Joining Kim on the panel is progressive political activist Mark Grimaldi. Mark has worked on get out the vote operations for several Democratic presidential candidates, including Joe Biden. Mark is also involved in campaign finance reform and efforts for cancer research. His Twitter handle is Mark J. Grimaldi. That's Mark J. G-R-I-M-A-L-D-I. Welcome, panel. How are you doing today? Uh, we're going to start with uh, Kim Scott. Uh, Kim uh, had a uh, f- uh, was at the Capitol last Wednesday uh, during the failed coup attempt, and I think it's fair to call it that. Uh, Kim, why don't you start off just by describing what you saw and heard at the Capitol Wednesday? Well, obviously, the assault on Wednesday was uh, 
unprecedented in its nature. It's not just not on the, the U.S. Capitol, but on our democracy. <clears throat> I uh, am based just a few blocks from the Capitol, and so went down there myself to witness firsthand the chaos, and that it was. I was on the west side of the Capitol. The uh, majority of what happened, the violence, I mean, I was on the east side. The violence was, for the most part, on the west side. But what I witnessed from the east side was something out of a movie after a bomb. I mean, there were hundreds of protesters who were who clung to the side of the, the Capitol. They had advanced up the steps. It looked like they had total control. There was someone <clears throat> up there waving a Trump flag and a Confederate flag. They were wandering around. I... Uh, some taking pictures, some tweeting, some with with bullhorns, uh, talking about uh, Congress robbing them of this office. Mike Pence, as you all may have seen, there were uh, many of the rioters that at one point were uh, calling to hang Mike, Mike Pence for refusing to uh, uh, to block Biden's uh, electoral college victory confirmation. It, it was nothing I've ever experienced before. And of course, as we know, ended up not only dozens injured, um, but five people dead. Yeah. Uh, Kim, what were you thinking while you were watching? What were you thinking and feeling while you were watching this uh, scene of devastation on Wednesday at the Capitol? I just what I've thought most days under the Trump administration is how can it get worse? I mean, literally, if you look at just the last two weeks, the developments, uh, Georgia, where we were we were robbed of our our celebration there, but the the calls to the Secretary of State outright coercion. It is what it has always been uh, rule under a mobster. It's um, but. And we are also certainly testing every single limit of our constitution, of our democracy, of politics. Uh, it's very sad commentary. And for me, where I see that building every day, to me, that means far more than the White House will or any other building. And I, I actually, when I did leave, I was tearing up just the thought of the destruction to that building that means so much and symbolizes so much for so many Americans. Yeah, it's a, you know, I, you know, I, I don't even know how to, I was so depressed while I was watching it. Um, actually, Mark and I were on the air on Leslie's show Wednesday while this was going on. And, you know, we were talking about it and it was, I just utterly shocked that this could happen in the United States of America. And I think, you know, this is going, you know, this, you know, the tragedy of last Wednesday um, it's just not going to automatically, you know, disappear when Joe Biden is inaugurated in nine days. I think this is going to be a lingering sore on the nation uh, that is probably going to be remembered for a long time in American history uh, because well, it's such a symbolic history. breach of our democracy. In American history, it's the only second time, it, it, only the second time it's ever happened. Yeah, since uh, 1814 when the British in, uh, invaded. Yeah, it's certainly a, a sad commentary. Uh, Mark, uh, 
what were you uh, thinking and feeling while uh, we were on the air describing what was happening? As it was happening, you know, Kim, obviously, and, and those who were there, I think, saw it up close and personal and kind of realized probably faster than those of us just just reading it. It, it didn't quite fully form. You know, there weren't videos yet as, as to how deep the protesters were going. You know, we saw the reports of injuries, and then you did see, you know, reports of, of what was breached and photos started coming out. But until you see... Uh, some of the video, it, it kind of, it seemed almost surreal because the words just, just don't do it justice of how destructive and, and dangerous it was um, and still is. Um, and I want to use the present tense because within the last hour, an FBI bulletin uh, has come out warning of plans for armed protests at all 50 state capitals and in Washington ahead of the Biden inauguration. So um, it's still very much a present uh, danger, a clear and present danger. So I hope that um, for those who weren't taking it seriously, they use this as an opportunity to do so. Um, and additionally, I I want to um, bring up the the good work of of two men. One who, who passed away, Officer uh, Sicknick, who lost his life um, in the insurrection, um, doing his job to protect the law, uh, lawmakers who were inside the building. Uh, in addition, he was one of the five who died. Um, and also Eugene Goodman, um, an officer who, if you haven't read about him yet, I would, I would Google his name. You, you'll see a lot of coverage now, thankfully, um, about what a hero he is. Um, just to give a, a brief synopsis, uh, basically, you know, he's, uh, it uh, was all by himself and they're an angry mob that had gotten inside the Capitol um, is chasing him up this this flight of stairs. And at first, you don't really realize what happens. But as they come up the stairs, they could have either gone right or left to the mob. And he pushes just lightly pushes the lead person of the mob. And he goes to the left and draws them away. And we find out that these open doors to the right were where the senators were. So you can imagine how much worse things could have been if they would have gone the other way. Um, so he is also a hero in all of this. And, um, for many breakdowns in the Capitol police, um, this, this officer who is an Iraq war veteran, uh, did an amazing job and, and is a hero. And I think that's what we also have to remember throughout this. There are people who are doing their job right now. Uh, they did certify the election later in that evening. They are, uh, introducing articles of impeachment today. And we will respond to this as Americans. Uh, those of us who do so appropriately need to bring others along with us, and we need to lift up those voices and you know, tell those who are not taking it seriously why they need to do so. Okay. Uh, we are in the middle of our uh, weekly pro provocative progressive political panel. Our guests on the panel today are Kimberly Scott, uh, who is the publisher uh, of uh, Demlist and also the editor of the uh, daily uh, uh, blog, uh, Dem Daily, which uh, covers the Democratic Party policy and politics. If you want to sign up, uh, you can go and to the site. Uh, the Twitter handle is The Demlist. Uh, we'll be back uh, in a couple of minutes for our radio listeners, for you, uh, those of you who are watching us on uh, Periscope TV, 
or Facebook. Before um, the House on Wednesday, if the House impeaches Trump, uh, which there is time prior to inauguration, then it goes to the, the Senate. The House has sole power to impeach, but the U.S. Senate is responsible for trial and conviction from that point on. Important differences in the House, it's just a majority to impeach. In the Senate, it takes two-thirds. Okay. Uh, you know, I guess my, my question is, uh, let's say the House does vote to impeach the president for the second time. Uh, that that gives the Senate very little time. You know, first of all, I don't think there are 67 votes uh, in the Senate uh, to remove the president. And my guess is the Senate may not even, you know, have the chance to take it up before Joe Biden becomes president. Uh, so is it important for the House to vote for impeachment uh, anyway, uh, to make a statement, even though it's not likely to actually remove the president, the President Trump from office? Yes, yes. I mean, Trump lit the, lit the fuse for what happened. Um, oh, we're going to have to go to break now. No, nope, nope, uh, we're back. We'll be back we're, with more of we're back already. and our guests, Kimberly Scott and Mark Amaldi. Brad, we're good. We're, we're back already. Okay. okay. Um, yes, and that is the thing is that for every single day that Donald Trump is in office, it is a danger to the American people and to our country. And that's why this call for action after such blatant, blatant, I want to call it treason against our country uh, in igniting and, and commanding, daring, thousands of, of supporters saying he was going to be with them, which he did not, to go to the Capitol and show those Republicans the kind of leadership that we need to capture our country back. So the impeachment is important on a number of different levels. The question is, what happens after that? So McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader, circulated a memo last um, um, over the weekend saying that they would not be able to, uh, unless all 100 senators voted to uh, to agree to come back in, that they would not be taking up any matters until the 19th, which is the day before inaugural. But that Senate, the new Senate, can take this up after Biden is uh, is inaugurated. And some people like... Can House you remove some, someone from office who's already removed from office? They're talking about completing the conviction. And most importantly, and this is what I think people ultimately want, is once the Senate convicts, they can immediately propose a motion that only requires a majority to forever remove and uh, Trump from holding off federal office ever again. Okay. Uh, Mark, you want to weigh in on this impeachment question? Uh, is it worth it? Uh, to pursue, even though we have nine days left in uh, uh, Donald Trump's presidency? Yes. Um, I think you have to do everything in within your power, whether it succeeds or not, to remove the threat to our democracy. Uh, because if not, your constituents are counting on you. And if you let them down, 
then you have, I think, a whole nother issue of them not feeling like they're being represented. Now, do I think that they're going to go and storm the Capitol about it? No, I don't believe that would happen. But it creates a big problem because then they feel like on the other side are people who are causing an insurrection. And on this side, we have lawmakers who won't uphold their part of the bargain and protect us. So if Republicans choose to uh, slow things down um, or not vote to remove uh, President Trump, then I think you let them have that on their conscience and on their record, and you show that you did the right thing and you are trying to protect the country and also punish this man for his actions because they definitely deserve to be punished. Uh, five people lost their lives, like I said, including a Capitol Police officer, and it's not easy uh, it's not hard to see how this could have been a lot worse. Um, and I think if this uh, action goes unpunished um, and there's not a strong response to it, it actually invites more violence from those who are planning these potential other attacks, like it said in the FBI bulletin, at all 50 state capitals and at the inauguration. So um, I think you need to come back in the hardest terms possible under the law and do so for those reasons that I just laid out. And I, I think it, it, it could be, and this is not hyperbole, it could be a matter of life and death as you go forward. Um, and clearly it warrants impeachment under the terms of, of what does and what does not. So I, I don't think it's much of a question. I understand there's political strategy involved and, and with what we do, I'm not deaf to that. I, I think that is important because you want the future administration to succeed with all the challenges we face between this insurrection, the pandemic, the economy, like we talked about in the first half hour, you know, politics is important and it does matter. But in this case, I think doing the right thing also may work out politically. Um, and whether or not it does, I think this is one of those instances you throw politics in the rearview mirror and you say, I'm doing what's right for the country. Okay. Uh, let's start with a new topic in the few minutes we have left. Uh, Kim, uh, you're covering the uh, Biden inaugural for Dem Daily. Uh, and because of the pandemic, uh, we're going to have an inaugural that uh, is going to be a lot different from past inaugurals. Can you uh, tell us, our viewers and listeners, uh, what uh, the uh, Biden inaugural is going to be like? Yes, yeah, so I should say first that Dim List, as with the past inaugurals and convention, host a public calendar where anybody can go to it, www.dimlist.com, and you would official events and unofficial events are ongoing. Uh, we expect to get over 100 events on the calendar by the time we get to inaugural. A lot of them being posted now because it's virtual, people are planning later. But I would say at least half the states are doing celebrations. The presidential inaugural committee, which has an unbelievable task on their hands, is planning most of the events. There will still be official ceremonies under the Constitution. Joe Biden is sworn in at noon on the 20th. Uh, Kamala Harris uh, will be 15 minutes before. There will be a uh, pass and review, which is a review of the troops. There will be a few other things that are tr traditionally part of the ceremony. But the big thing to watch for is really the virtual parade, which will be very similar to the convention's Roll Across America, which was a great production. It's being put together by veterans who have also done Super Bowl halftime and, and other major event, events like that. And it was enormously successful during the convention. 
And so there will be some balls that are going on at the same time. Um, and we invite, again, everybody to check daily on the calendar. But there will be reason and an opportunity uh, for us to, to celebrate together and to actually include the faces of America. Part of uh, Biden's commitment, both in his his campaign, his administration, that his his administration, his efforts will reflect the face and the diversity of America. Yeah, and today uh, the uh, Biden uh, campaign or inaugural committee announced that the theme of the inauguration uh, will be America United, which is uh, certainly appropriate, uh, especially after the events of the uh, last uh, uh, of the last week. You know, I should say that you know while I was watching last week's tragedy at at the Capitol, I, I was you know, depressed. And I've barely been able to watch any of the news coverage of the riot because I find it so depressing. Uh, you know, despite uh, my uh, youthful appearance, uh, I've been in this business a long time. Uh, and, you know, this is not what I signed up for. Uh, I think uh, I think Donald Trump has made an abomination of his presidency and scarred this nation irreparably. And I, I just depresses me and, you know, makes me wonder what I'm doing in this business sometimes. But uh, anyway, that's it for today. I want to thank our guest uh, economist, Dr. Robert Shapiro. Uh, Kim Scott of Demlist and politi- and progressive activist Mark Grimaldi. Thanks, Brad. Uh, I'm here uh, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. If the Lord is willing, the creek don't rise, and if Trump doesn't declare martial law on his way out the door. This is Brad Banton. Stay strong, stay safe, stay sane if you can while the pandemic rages and Trump is still in the White House. I'll be back next Monday, same bat time, same bat channel. And make sure you listen to my very good friend, Leslie Marshall, tomorrow at 3 o'clock Eastern. Thank you all. I'll be back with you next week. Thanks. Hey, we get it. You don't want to be hearing a progressive commercial right now. So let us tell you something you do want to hear. You are intelligent. You make all the right decisions. You were smart before smart was cool, and you made it cool again. You have a wealth of knowledge, and you are so very clever. (laughs) I bet you already knew I was going to say that, you genius. There, don't you feel better? You'll also feel better when you hear you could save big when you switch to Progressive. But I'm pretty sure you already knew that, too. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl and a foul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.